that's one of the things about religion that we have to remember when we're talking about that makes it such a, a hot topic issue is because we're talking about law. Who gets to be God? Who gets to be God's deputies? Who is the most high? Who is the divine authority? It's all about the claim to the most high. The only way that somebody can be higher than us is if we give away our power. Because there's nobody, we're all equal. But we're not equal in our knowledge, so ultimately, I think it does have to be a hierarchy, but it has to be a cooperative hierarchy, like a bee colony. We have to, it's about what our value system is, what we care about. Hive Mind. Today is September 9th, 2021. I am your host, Nate Cap. Welcome to the 46 Cubbyhole Podcast, where important topics are unveiled, discussed, and tested. Our website is cubbyhole.com. That's C U B B Y W H O L E.com. Thanks for joining in today. I know it's been a little while. I actually just went through a big move across the country, which went pretty well. And now I'm just trying to get back in the swing of things and get settled in so I can get back on the cubby hole and share more content. So I hope you guys are all doing okay. I know many things are progressively getting worse out there, but just know to never give up, never give in. As long as we're still breathing, there's always hope. So today, I'm going to cover a little bit of the past shows to make sure we're all caught up. And then I'm going to give a little update on what's coming in future shows. So I think this will be a relatively short episode. I mean, you know, we'll see where it goes. And just so everyone knows, there, there will be an important part of the show. Um, there will be some important information that I feel the serious students out there need to hear. So maybe try not to skip through this one. And I'll also be introducing allegory towards the end. Uh, something very important to educate ourselves with and to deeply understand. Before we get into the material, I just want to announce that a new awesome and highly recommended documentary is out now that I was fortunate enough to be part of, which is called Mark Passio and the Science of Natural Law. It's a short and simple documentary that illustrates the dynamics of natural law in a way that I feel most people can comprehend. And the aesthetics are really, really awesome. They're really, really cool. So if you're looking for an important film to study and add to your library of truth discovery, and this is this is definitely worthy for sure. Plus, you know, it's an easy digestible documentary that you can share with friends and family who don't know about natural law or, you know, those who have a short attention span for two plus hour seminars. You know, the watch a full season of something in one day on Netflix binge watching types. And, you know, on that note, Here's a reminder of something really important to always keep in mind, and that is spiritual currency. 
If we really care for truth, then we need to invest our time and attention wisely. So next time you're speaking with someone about something of value like truth, it's important to help them understand that man's currency means spend money and pay bills. Okay, so man's currency, you know, materialism to spend money and pay bills. And then spiritual currency equates to spend time and pay attention. So spend time and pay attention. And it's all about investing in gold of the mind as much of or more than physical gold, more than material things. Or basically, it's about placing spirituals over sensuals. We have to ask ourselves where our time and attention is going. Is it going more towards our based pleasures or more towards truth? And that's not to say there's no you know, pleasure in discovering truth. But yeah, spiritual currency. It's really, really important that we understand spiritual currency in comparison to man's material currency so that way we can really begin to care truly care for what really matters in this world so real quick i want to just give a short review of the last five shows up to now Brandon and I covered some really, really important information regarding the methods of manipulation where we got into the part of subversive symbolism or the sub subversive use of sacred symbolism, which included stellar, solar, lunar, bear, gavel, axe, and all-seeing eye symbolism, and how they are all being used against us. And and those episodes were 38, 40, 41 and 42. All very important to understand as they demonstrate how celestial bodies and zoo types and sacred geometry can and are being used by dominators to manipulate the human mind, especially if one doesn't understand or know the history and science behind those symbols. On show 43, we had special guest Mark Passio on to cover Chaos, Sorcery, and the Season of Sacrifice, which is known as the 40-day time period from March 19th, the spring equinox, to the Sabbath midpoint on May 1st, or Valpurgisnacht, the eve of May 1st, known as the highest holiday on the satanic calendar. And this is the time period when the dark occult creates and manipulates certain events on certain dates as a sacrifice in order to generate and maintain fear and chaos in the minds of the masses in order to hold a, you know, a power differential over them, which then also keeps their agendas moving forward towards total world domination, you know, the, the dark world order. And this is something that can be understood by understanding gematria too, which you know we'll be getting into on this show uh, eventually. On episode 44, I introduced the triune brain and its functions 
and its aspects and consciousness. And this science is very crucial to understand for the rest of the shows. Really, it's for all the shows on, on the cubbyhole, actually. And this is the corresponding science of the trivium. It's about the three-in-one brain. So you have the R-complex, which is the lower part of the brain. And this is also called the reptilian brain. And this is below the limbic system, or the mammalian brain, which is more in the middle part of the brain. And then the neocortex, which is the upper part of the brain. This is the two hemispheres. This is the newer part. And all of these three brains are in conjunction functioning as a whole human brain. And these specific parts, these three parts of the brain are crucial to understanding consciousness and the symbolism that corresponds to it. So it's really, really how we understand our ancient past up until the present. It's a huge part of it, and, and that's vital to recognize. And then on the last show, number 45, I broke down the Hegelian dialectic, a.k.a. problem, reaction, solution, a.k.a. chaos, confusion, opportunity, which is the last method of manipulation that we covered. And if we wish to know the majority of what's taking place right now, especially psychologically, then we need to understand the dynamic and philosophy of the Hegelian dialectic. And that's something I cannot stress enough. We have to understand that. Just by becoming aware of why things are happening the way that they are, at the very least, creates a slight spread of freedom in the aggregate of, of consciousness. But obviously, it's not enough to just become conscious of these topics and then, you know, and, and of this type of information. It's about coming to an understanding and then putting it into rhetoric yourself, you know, to help others observe and become aware. And this, this leads me into a really important reminder and request I'd like to give before I get into the future content. And that is taking in information like you find here at the cubbyhole is, of course, really important and is definitely of great value. And it's nowhere near easy to just be able to learn this type of information and then understand it enough to speak out about it and then feel confident enough to create content like this podcast. You know, it's, it is very arduous labor. And we're, we're putting this information out for the sole purpose of freedom and truth. That's really it. And, you know, what I'd like to see is more people who care about this work, who really want to see the rise of true freedom. You know, I personally would like to see more students become serious teachers of this information especially regarding morality and natural law. You know, that's what I'd like to see. And there's, there's very few out there, unfortunately, that are doing this. And I, I know it might seem like the majority of the people of this world don't care. You know, so why should you? But eventually those who think that way will realize it's not about, you know, getting likes or those who don't care, 
you know, who's, who, who's not, you know, giving you attention with your work. I mean, you know, obviously to some degree, I believe it is because, you know, you want to definitely be reaching people and, and know that you are to some degree, you know, but those who think that way, they'll, they'll realize it's about doing this work, this great work for truth itself. It's about doing this great work for freedom itself. And then realizing we can't give somebody something we don't have ourselves, you know? We have to stop making excuses because if it's truth and freedom that we seek, then we need to be honest with ourselves and use our spiritual currencies wisely. Our time and attention has to align with what we say we want because ultimately, we manifest into reality what we truly care about, what, what we put our time and attention into. And something else I'd like to add to that is this phenomenon of people, especially in the you know, so-called truth movement, who criticize others for sounding like or you know, putting work out that's you know, similar or the same to other popular researchers. And I'm not for you know, straight up plagiarizing and taking credit for someone else's hard work. But if your excuse of why you're not doing work of similar caliber or similar rhetoric with the same overall messages just because you're afraid of plagiarizing or sounding like a copycat, then you're really just missing the point and staying comfortable in ignorance. I see so many people stuck in this box. And as far as I see it, it's really just an abdication of personal responsibility. Because nobody owns this information. Nobody. So it's not a good excuse to, you know, not do the work because of your fear of sounding or being like someone else. You know, that's a really lame excuse. The information on the Cubbyhole podcast is not owned by anyone. It's not owned by me. It's not owned by Brandon. It's not owned by anyone. You can assemble your grammar and learn and understand what you hear on this show or shows alike and then speak it in any creative expression you want or exactly the way we speak it here. It doesn't matter. And the fact that it even matters to people more than getting this information out to others really just shows how far off the path people really seem to be. And it's pretty sad, you know? Even if you completely copied someone who you completely agreed with for the sole purpose of ending suffering, you know, or lessening suffering or ending slavery, you're doing nothing wrong. I mean, you know, you'd be a dick to, to not give credit where it's due, but you're still doing the right thing by getting these messages out to people, especially because it's messages of truth and freedom. So people really need to think about that. I mean, if you haven't noticed, we're in a war. You know, <laughs> we've been in a war and we, d we don't have time to waste on that kind of nonsense. The pyramid builders didn't sign their work. You know, the information being understood uh, and getting it out to people is what really matters. The killing of the messenger needs to stop. Especially with people who are after truth. I mean, I guess you're really not after truth if you're killing the messenger, honestly. And that's what it's about. So, 
people really need to step up and take responsibility. It's very much needed. Okay. Um, I'm going to go ahead and get into future shows. And these next topics are topics we've already touched on quite a bit, but we're going to we're going to go much much further. We're we're going to explore allegory while opening up more knowledge regarding esoteric Freemasonry as it pretty much goes hand in hand with the study of allegory and we're also going to cover cinematic language and green language which will be all throughout these shows what i'm hoping is that this section inspires more people regarding the inner self as it deals with the stories that help us understand something deeper within us so first we have to understand what allegory means and then begin to learn the sciences of esoteric Freemasonry. And, you know, I'm going in the order that I feel works. So, you know, just try to really pay attention to what I'm speaking about. And I hope that you see the parallels. I hope you see the connections. And if you have any questions, just email us at cubbyhole at mail.com and we'll do our best to answer you or answer it in the show okay so please feel free to to ask anything because you know we don't always cover everything exactly the way it could be explained that would be beneficial to to more people with the same question and so just just really uh really try to formulate the question that you have and and we'll we'll do our best to get back to you as as clear as possible. So when it comes to allegory, it's important to think of it as a metaphor or a fable or something like a parable. The actual definition of allegory is a story poem or picture that can be interpreted to reveal a hidden meaning typically a moral or a political one now notice this definition says interpreted that's a really really important word because there's you know everybody can interpret things how they want and you know just make it a whatever they want you know <laughs> People have wild imaginations. So interpretations are translations or explanations of different languages, whether orally, sign language, or in, you know, symbols, aka letters or words. How we interpret language really can be very difficult, especially if we don't have an eclectic understanding of the language and the sciences of esoteric Freemasonry. And this is what leads many people to believe that stories, poems, and pictures can be interpreted in any way that they want them to be. Because when we solely base our interpretations on opinions, feelings, or belief without, you know, knowledge of self, you know, without understanding and science of the self, then we won't really uncover much from the stories. Or we won't really discover the deeper hidden meanings in stories, especially about ourselves. 
because that's what you know ultimately these stories are revealing they're they're revealing something about ourselves you know that's why we can relate to stories so much and when a story is really well done it's because we can relate to it so well so you know it's really 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 important to understand interpretation and when I try to explain what I've gathered from a story in a really, you know, correlative, allegorical way, you know, where I'm correlating with, you know, what, I, what, I, what I've learned from a movie and, and with the knowledge that I have. When I do that with a lot of people, I hear them say all the time, like, oh, you're just making connections where there aren't any. Or you're just interpreting how you want to see it. And uh I find it kind of funny because you know they're really just uh acting like the authority, you know, like it there there can't possibly be a, a an understanding of this story or you know this movie or this music without you know it only being solely from how you feel or what you believe. Uh, and and many movies have a a follow up interview with the writers and directors of what they intended as the meaning behind the messages in their movies, which is mostly real basic. It's very exoteric, and this is what many people think the movies that they watch solely mean. As you know, like so, they'll have their beliefs and their feelings of the movie. You know, their own feelings, which, hey, you you can have your own feelings and interpretations. That's okay. Um, but then, you know, they'll they'll go and they'll make they'll they'll listen to the director or the writer of that movie and then turn around and say, well, everything you have to say about this movie is not true. And you're just, you know, making stuff up where it isn't because the director or writer came out and said what the movie means. And obviously this is just a bunch of crap because they, these, these writers and directors, they know that most people only have a degree of public school education. So they're more than likely not going to get into the esoteric or deeper meanings behind their movies. They're not going to get into the parts of the movies where you need deep, eclectic research uh, of the self, you know, higher knowledge of the self, higher science knowledge of the self. They're not going to get into that because they don't have time. Plus, you know, they got money to make. It's very rare that a director or writer ever really gives away the esoteric meaning behind their movies. You know, that's really up to you. That's up to each one of us. It's up to those who know and understand the mysteries and the occult sciences who want to know and see what is really meant behind these movies. So, I mean, you know, and that's not to say, like, you shouldn't keep in mind the esoteric, basic you know, meaning of the movie. Not at all. I mean, you definitely should, but it's just important to understand that there's more to these movies 
than, than what we think. And, you know, the more that you understand the occult sciences and then, and the higher knowledge of self, you will see it. You will definitely see it. It's pretty amazing how much these, uh, these writers put into movies, uh, that, that is hidden and that really reveals something deeper. I mean, it's just like watch Twilight Zone. I'm going to get into that. I'm going to get into a few Twilight Zone episodes here in the next uh, few episodes. But Twilight Zone is a perfect show to watch if you're trying to understand allegory. So interpretation of stories, poems, and pictures really works better with higher degrees of knowledge of self. That's really what has to be understood here. give a short allegorical story before I get off this show and this story is not unique as it's it's definitely been told by many others in their own way so I'm going to go ahead and tell it in my way in my unique way I want you to imagine that you and I and eight other people are in a valley at the base of a mountain And we all agree that we're going to climb that mountain all the way to the peak and back. So early in the morning, on the day that we all decide to climb that mountain, 
half of the people in our group decide right at the last minute that the climb seems to be too much, too high, you know, too unsafe and too overwhelming. So they tag out right from the start. And as for you and I and the other three people, we begin to take on this wild, nearly vertical journey. The sun is just popping up over the horizon. And then, as the day goes on, we manage to make it to a really nice cliff with a flat surface where we can take a rest. And the sight is beautiful. At this point, we're around a quarter through our journey and halfway to the top. And at this point, Everyone is exhausted, and it's about to be noon. The other three people in the group are amazed by the view that they see. But they tag out and set their tents up and let us know that this is as far as they go. But you and I want to see the top. We don't want to wait. So we climb some really treacherous and steep cliffs with wind blowing and loose rocks falling. We even encounter a crazy freakish thunderstorm right before we get to the top that nearly knocks us off. And then, just as we make it to the apex, the clouds roll out and the sun returns directly above us. We can see everything. 360 degrees and miles and miles all around us. And it's amazing. And we can even see the three others in their tents halfway down the mountain watching TV. I don't know why they're watching TV. But then once we take an incredible view, we begin our descent down the other side of the mountain before it gets dark. Back down to the village with our story to tell others about our experience. Okay, that's a, that's, you know, I'd say that's a kind of more drawn out story of the mountain story, mountain climb story. But I'm going to go ahead and give my educated allegory breakdown of this mountain story. And maybe you've already figured it out, or, you know, maybe you see more than I do. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's much more that can be interpreted or drawn out of this story and that I'm not aware of or not able to pull out from. So basically right from the start, there's a mountain climb. And this is mostly always associated with the journey of life, especially raising consciousness with the arduous climb or labor, you know, the great work, the beginning of the great work. In short, this is really about the journey of the soul or the hero. The 10 people can represent the whole body of people in the world or your friends or the people of your city. And of course, obviously, you and I included. And the five people who didn't start the climb, they represent those who are comfortable, the ones stagnating in darkness and ignorance they are the 
They're the part of the self that represents base consciousness. And this is where most of the world's people are actually at in, in aggregate consciousness. This, this part is where the valley meets the base of the mountain, where one can only see one side of the mountain from the bottom and can barely see the top. And of course, can you know kind of see the minimal amount of the valley and the sides of the other mountains that surround that valley. And as the journey starts with the five of us, this represents the courage to begin and shed the fear of the dangers that may occur on the beginning of our climb. So it's about, you know, taking that leap of faith. And this is about the climb towards enlightenment and overcoming our fears of the unknown. What we, what we don't know and understand. And it's about the raising of consciousness. The sun rising is symbolic of the beginning of the journey, like the archetypal hero Horus beginning his journey as the sun in the spring equinox, or the day sky, or the, the beginning of the day sky. So as us five get halfway up the mountain, this is the symbolic quarter mark, where, where many people typically pitch their tent or find that they are you know, comfortable with their view that they have because they've seen some beautiful and scary things, which is you know, really, un they think it's enough for them. And this also represents those who miss their friends and you know, they're afraid that they're going to lose more if they continue. They, they go right back to sleep, but with little, you know, just a little bit of experience and knowledge. And, and so that's that's why they just stay there. That's why they stay on the, the cliff a, a halfway up the, the mountain and a quarter of the way of the journey. So never finishing the journey, not even getting halfway. And I call these people, these types, I call them the quarter quitters or those who, you know, get a little knowledge and then that's all they need. And... um you know, some some people call them the uh, tent pitchers, and this is a big mistake that many people make. Really big. It's a it's a one side of the picture attitude. So, as you and I leave the quarter quitters or tent pitchers behind, this is about instinctively knowing that we can't count on others to go all the way up. This is about you know, not having fear of elevating in consciousness, even if it means losing friends and family connections. Remember, this is a spiritual allegory. You know, I'm not being literal when I say leaving friends and family behind, because you know, obviously, in a real life event, of course, we wouldn't leave them behind. You know, we wouldn't leave someone behind. Uh, if we really were climbing a mountain. The point is, it's about realizing that this is your unique journey. Sometimes we find ourselves becoming more and more isolated because most people around us don't want truth. You know, they're not in search of truth like we are. Or, you know, ending their suffering. Because they don't even know that they're suffering, or they don't know that suffering is going on as a result of their actions. You know, so they're not in search of truth like we are, or, you know, at the same pace as we are. And that's okay. 
it's not a race. You know, we're not we're not doing this to contend against each other. We're not we're we're really just trying to help each other climb this mountain. You know, once we've made the climb, we can teach others how to climb. And as we continue the climb, we come across loose rock and steep cliffs along with, uh, you know, wild whipping winds and lightning and rain. And this represents how difficult it is to get to the truth and how dangerous it becomes. You know, the obstacles such as base desires and creature comforts are what we fight to get closer to truth. Responsibility of self comes more, you know, evident and uh, harder to to, uh, to come to cr- come to grips with. It's about beginning to understand how important you are and how how much you appreciate and love yourself and care about life by 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 overcoming the lies that that are all around us, you know, and the de- and the desires. And the laziness and the ego prisons that we're all trapped in. So we have to really fight through those things if we really want what truly matters. You know, we push through as far up as we can. And and just when we're so beaten up from how hard this is and, and feel we feel worn down. This is the noon sun symbolically, which is raised from, you know, the cleared storm to the highest point in the sky. This is symbolic of being fully raised in light. This is an important stage of enlightenment. And, you know, in the, in the ancient Egyptian mythos, this represents the Egyptian archetype god Horus, transformed into the god Ra. <clears throat> so that's the science of that. You know, this, this whole climb is really in correspondence with the science of Horus and Ra, you know, down to Set. This, this is the union of the left and right hemisphere of the brain coming together in unison for an alchemical wedding which is the which corresponds to ra the sun at in the peak day sky it's it's symbolic of raised consciousness raise consciousness see rays of light raised are you raised in consciousness this is a science of understanding consciousness allegories are created so we can understand consciousness we're able to see 360 degrees all the way down the sides of the mountain and all over the land for hundreds of miles you know so this is about you know making our vision way better we're able to see way more we're able to, you know, stand at the peak and look down and look up and look all around and understand. And, and this is about seeing beyond, um, you know, because it's a, it allows us to see the bigger picture of reality. 
It's, 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 it allows us to see beyond the barriers that have, that, that have been planted in our minds. The high sun equals light to be able to see with purity. You know, a lot more purity or high degrees of purity. And looking back and down the mountain and seeing the others is about seeing where we could be stuck. You know, with, or, or seeing where others are stuck. And being able to, you know, come back down and help them if we need to. Because we understand how to get up. And as we receive this degree of awareness on the apex of the mountain, we then realize the true great work is to come back down with light into the night or darkness where ignorance dwells in the valley. And, um, you know, that this is a place where there's not much light, where the sun meets set or where the sun sets. You see, this whole allegory is a measurement of consciousness. It's an occult science that helps the serious student understand something important about their journey through storytelling. The mountain allegory is a symbol of degrees of consciousness. Okay? The saying goes, there are two mistakes on the path to truth. Not starting and not going all the way. So... I hope I've explained that well. I know this section of the podcast can be very hard for some people, especially those who are mostly in a left-brained imbalance. We have to remember that these allegories shared on this show are not, you know, they're not to be taken literal. They're not to be taken as a serious story. They're, the, they are, uh, they're likened to a mirror of self, only where, you know, things may happen that you know, defy the rules of reality in those stories in order to help us understand ourselves better. If we learn the hermetic principle of correspondence to a high enough degree, we'll be able to see beyond our logical threshold that keeps us from seeing the bigger picture or the patterns that reveal deeper hidden meanings, especially in these allegories that we're going to cover here on the show. If we truly want to know and understand the magic of allegory, it really comes down to knowledge of self and aspects of consciousness that reflect how we operate in this domain. It comes down to understanding our behavior and the functions of our brain. That's why the triune brain is so important. All right, guys. I'm going to go ahead and end it there for today's show and um, hope you've gained something new and beneficial today. More shows, presentations, and news can be found at cubbyhole.com. That's C-U-B-B-Y-W-H-O-L-E.com. Also, please make sure to keep your eyes out for the next shows where I'll be going further into allegory and esoteric Freemasonry. If you have any questions regarding the topics of these shows, please email us at cubbyholeatmail.com. Also, any donations are greatly appreciated as anything that's given will go directly to the Cubbyhole website. All you got to do is just hit the donation button on the website, which, which is set up pretty easy to navigate from there, and you shouldn't have any trouble. 
And thanks so much to those who have donated. It's very, very, very much appreciated. Okay, I'm your host, Nate Cap. Thank you for listening, and keep in mind to do no harm, defend truth, and keep transcending dogma. Mm-hmm.